What is up, fellow mutants and humans alike? My name is Kyle. I am once again with Danny, also human, and we are deep diving into Marauders issue number six this week. Last week, we dived into a little uh, random talk. We did. We got. We got down on uh, some uh, X Men stoners and uh, some X Men that get down and party, especially in these Krakoan days. You know, things are getting things are getting heated at night at Krakoa. If you will, yes, and and we rounded out with that whole moral uh, breakdown on the probabilities of uh, Popeye's drug abuse versus Bruno's rape issues. Oh right, so, yeah, exactly. It was, it was one <laughs> hell of a podcast. <laughs> what a podcast, folks! What a podcast! But we're back <laughs> on track this week, and we are talking Marauders. Last week, or the week before last week. We talked about uh, X-Men issue number five. And in that issue, things happened. What happened? I already forgot. Issue number five. Well, we got a continuation of the whole plot thread with the children of tomorrow. The tomorrow children. Oh, The kids of of the day that hasn't come. (laughs) The children of the vault. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those kids and like. We kind of saw how that that started to play out a little more, and they sent in their special infiltration team, and how that that they're already basically screwed because they've been stuck in there for like a, I think what did they say like the equivalent of five hundred years or something stupid, either yeah. five hundred years or five hundred days. It was some still like the time had only been like a couple of months, so the fact that it was that large was still ridiculous. Yeah, it's an excessive number. They're gonna get. They're gonna be extremely old. Um, yeah. After all of this, essentially. And Cyclops um, was like, "My bad." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "What have I done?" <laughs> I guess this plan wasn't so great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that he went through with it, but he's always like, "Should I have done that? Why have I done that? What have I done?" And I like how they sandwiched the issue with that, where, like, at the beginning, he was like, this was a terrible idea, and then it ended, and he's like, it was a super terrible idea. <laughs> he just, him exclaiming that at the beginning yeah. and the end, just bookending it, it was perfect. I was like, that encapsulates this issue, yeah? It was a, it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could get the plan on paper, but this whole, like, momentum that they're taking was just so out there, and I loved it the whole time. But it because it was that, just uh, absurd enough. Yeah, and it shows that he, uh, they're on board. Mutants are on board. They're all like, hey, do this mission that you're going to like, you're going to go through this interstellar shit where like a blink of an eye is going to pass, but then all of us are going to be dead. And they're all like, yeah, okay. And, and I like how well it mirrors like essentially Hickman's place in all of this as head of X. Like he's just sitting there and it's like a he's like a dungeon master and he's making his X-Men campaign and he's taking the characters and plucking them out and placing them where he needs them. Because not only do the X-Men have that ability, but it mirrors his writing to have that ability as well. You right. can see how like you come to a storyline and they're just like, who do we want to use for this? Who's perfect for this mission? Because we have access to the entire cast and roster of X-Men who's who's. So Cyclops could just be like, we got a, we got a mission. Let's bring it Beak. We actually need Beak. <laughs> no matter what weird mission happens, they're going to have someone for it. So it's, it's really funny to see that playing right. out. Yeah. So I'm excited for the next uh, X-Men issue, but now we've got Marauders, which is is going in a completely different road. Yeah, we're going down an interesting path. Uh, We'll see how it turns out. Uh, Again, Jerry Dugan's taking the writing helm, and we got Loli doing the artwork. Uh, What do you think of this cover? It's it's got a cool silhouette over it, but uh, I do I do like the actual use of kitty's powers and like the chaos that's going on they're just her flying through things like that was the first thing i noticed when looking at it was just like oh look at kitty she's just like getting in the fray just Mm -hmm. trying to survive and she's facing through people but the silhouette was the thing that closed it out real nice for me it was just that kind of overlay yeah i really dig it um except for the text the the glow on the text is kind of throwing me off but everything else i dig well, the Marauder text has always been problematic. That, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, that comes with the territory of Marauder. <laughs> the font has never been the Marauder's strong suit. No, no. Work on your typography oh. game, folks. Oh. Uh, oh, man. Let's dive into this, shall we? 
Yeah, let's step away from that cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pay your dues. Mayday. Shinobi Shao's ship, the Upstart, sent out a distress signal from Madripoor Bay after coming under fire from the agents of Hominus Verendi, a mysterious new organization that means to tear down a new age of mutant kind. Kate, uh, Captain Kate Pride and her crew sailed to the sailed the Marauder to Madripoor, hoping to rescue Shinobi and the refugee mutants in his care, but were intercepted by Hatemonger, an executioner, in the name of Hominus Verendi. Um, I vaguely remember Executioner uh, from back in the day. Um, yeah. What, what do you remember about him? From what I recall, he was during the. Uh... The Mutant Master timeline? Yeah, I, I want to say Mutant Massacre sounds sounds correct. It might I might be wrong. It's hard to pick out any of these particular like Actually, X-Men bad baddies that are kind of like this because they they all kind of blur together. They're sometimes. all more or less sure your your typical like we're we're a hired group of X paid to do X. Uh, for the cause of X uh, to essentially something that involves uh, either killing mutants or destroying them in some way or kidnapping them. Yeah, or or we're just like a radicalized group or some religious organization. It's always something in that kind of ballpark. But yeah, Executioner, at first I was just like, oh, okay, this is interesting, Executioner. But then I was like, wait, I remember them using even Executioner. I think he was in the animated X-Men series at one point, too. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I think you're right. I think you are right. Um, I definitely I th- remember his action figure back in the day, like seeing it in Toys R Us and shit. Mm, yeah. Like that mass display of like just all those different random X-Men characters that they were selling hard during the 90s to synergize off the show. Yeah, they were. Man. Oh, yeah. That was a boatload of money right there. <laughs> People can't. That's not cheap either. <sighs> yeah, I had a, I had a lot of those. The cheap ones, the ones that like essentially be, went into like the dollar bin. Oh, the knockoff ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Budget X Men figurines. Good time. Oh yeah. All right. Let's get into this. Um. So we pick up from last issue where the fight begins they ran into these people uh this, this group uh hominus Verindi, and they start uh, attacking and we see uh pyro pyro takes action right and, yeah uh, flame he, on he flames on pretty <laughs> much calls them some racist clowns um who's doing the uh the narration at the moment uh i would assume kitty Kitty seems like Kitty. Okay. Yeah. That makes more that makes sense. Um, but more or less, uh, yeah, if Pyro Pyro assaults them, uh, and uh they go for Iceman, and Iceman is kind of uh about he's pretty much down because he t- he got a cheap shot, or not cheap shot, but he got a hit from behind the last issue. Um, and before he gets hit, essentially Kitty kind of takes him and drags her underneath uh the the hull of the ship. Right as the blade goes through him, too. Right which is as a real good timing. Goes, yeah. The phases it, through and doesn't hurt him at all. So she'd have been even a second late. He would have been chopped up. Although, how well do swords work on uh, Iceman? But it's a flaming sword, as you can see. Sure, sure. Good point. Good point. I would assume sure. it works like a hot knife through butter. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I think he would have he would have been up for resurrection protocols pretty soon if that kid didn't resurrection save him. Bring him up. <laughs> Pop out another ice man. Let's do this. <laughs> we just gotta let him chill. <laughs> Hope he comes out an ice tray. <laughs> <laughs> like a giant uh, <laughs> they have a bunch of them ready. <laughs> uh, give it a crack. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Kitty uh, drags him underneath, right? Uh, Lockheed's down there, uh, and uh, Bobby's like, "Yo, what's going on?" Kitty's like, "You got your know, bells rung. Um, just stay down here, chill, essentially, until you can get full ice again. Become full yeah, ice." He's Man. All sad and melty. It's <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, what happened? I can't keep. Yeah, full. he looks so. He looks so miserable. Like I'm melting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, essentially, uh, 
she's like uh, Lockheed, keep an eye on him, and look at Lockheed doing a nice keep, keeping him correct, caressing him, keeping him nice and company. Right He's now. like a big kitty, <laughs> <laughs> not like, and not like Kitty Pride, but like an actual no, no, kitty no. cat. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's like nestling him and like rubbing his face against him. <laughs> he's even he's even purring in his weird dragon way. <laughs> but, it, but it's weird because he's like he's like an alien, so like you don't really know how is he supposed to be like hundreds of years old? Or am I remembering that wrong? I the only thing I know about Lockheed is he has five lungs, which now that I think about makes the end of this issue interesting. <laughs> You bring up a good point with that. You're right. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, ooh, ooh. Maybe, maybe we were supposed to overlook that. Ah, that's gonna be the twist in Marauder Seven. <laughs> you didn't account for Lockheed's lungs, Shaw. You fucked up. You say like, I miscounted the lungs. Miscounted the lungs. Curse you, Lockheed. <laughs> Oh, oh man! Oh. Uh, so uh, Kitty uh, goes back up to the deck, um, and she does some some awesome. Uh, she gets a she gets Pyro out of a chokehold that he's kind of in from one of the uh, attackers, one of the one of the haymonger. Yeah. Um, so Kitty grabs his hand, kind of pulls him out, uh, goes through him. More or less, and uh, gives him a nice slice in the back, and then yeah, that was a good <laughs> fluid motion. Yeah, she like pulled right? him, and with the other hand, like turned and like knifed. That was very roguelike. It was a good sneak attack. Yeah, very very nice. And as she spins around, uh, she gets a uh, pyro kind of behind her, and she kind of approaches him, but he kind of uh, lunges forward. With an attack, and he's just all like, uh, I don't care what, because she's all like, my name's Kid Pride, you? And she's all like, I don't yeah. care what your name is. And he stabs yeah. her. <laughs> stabs right through her. She goes through, it goes through her. She faces through it, but right, but fucking Pyro's standing right behind him. So it goes right into Pyro. And uh, it seems like he doesn't even notice at first, right? He's just like, huh? Huh? And then he's like, ah, burns! <laughs> <laughs> ah, I've been stabbed in the chest, Kitty, you bitch. I'm right here. <laughs> Damn it. You were yeah. holding me. How do you think that I was You can't just fuse when you're behind me when I'm behind you. <laughs> That's unfair. It's like she's carrying him and they just open up on her with like a bunch of gunfire and she's like, it's okay. I'll just phase through. Oh, sorry, Pyro. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but we hear the voice, uh, I'm in, and, uh, we cut to, what's his face, uh, Yellow Jacket, Darren Cross's, uh, Yellow Jacket, are you familiar with the, it is Darren Cross's, yes, from the Astonishing Ant-Man. Yeah, because it's it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Hank Penn because he was one that rocked it for a while, and then there was like a female that rocked it as well. I can't remember if it was like his daughter or something. Mm, Alternate oh. timeline, Yellow Jacket. Who knows? I but I think that. based off of like the mentality of what's going on here, like it has to be Darren Cross, and he's like old school Yellow Jacket villain too, like from way mm-hmm. back in like, seventy nine. Like John Bryan actually created him, I believe. Yeah, John Bryan. So this is an old school kind of Ant-Man and Wasp foil showing up in an X-Men issue. Kind of strange, like really out of left field. Right? <laughs> probably one of the more enjoyable aspects of this issue is that this kind of move was a, was fresh and bold. And it actually worked. It was bizarre, but it worked. Yeah, I dig it. And he's now floating around inside the bloodstream of, of uh, Pyro. And he's, yeah, he's inside. So we're yeah, that stab essentially transported Yellow Jacket into Pyro himself. And he's just floating around, right? Yeah, in like um, a Rick and Morty esque like bloodstream mobile. I don't even know what you would call those which, types which of is vehicles. Funny, because Rick and Morty is mentioned in this issue later. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they're totally taken from that. 
<laughs> I hope he stops up at Pirates of the Pancreas. I think Kitty would love it. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. But he's heading towards the uh, optic nerves, right? Yeah. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna ride a uh, shotgun in Pyro's vision. <laughs> yeah, trying to get some some data, more or less. So he's more or less just spying right now. He's a spy. Yeah. Yep, he's he's doing some espionage via via uh, Pyro. He's gonna infiltrate Krakoa and get all the Krakoan information by piggybacking off of Pyro's uh, body and chilling out in his his optic nerves. Optic nerves. Yes. Um, so um, we cut to uh, the Hellfire assholes, the Hellfire bitches, the Hellfire kids, whatever you want to call them. Your flavor of. Uh, uh, as adolescent sophomoric children. Well, I like the Hellfire babies because I want to picture those X baby characters <laughs> yeah. that they introduced fighting against them. Like, I want to see this as like a crossover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> X babies meets Marauders, like the issue that no one ever asked for, but we got anyway. <laughs> you, go, you didn't want it, but here it is, folks. Yeah. I mean, you're doing that anyways with New Warriors. Why not this? Oh, gosh. Yeah. But I guess they, they were the ones who bankrolled Yellow Jacket into the storyline, so that was exactly. a nice way to tie it in, and that that that's why I mean it's bizarre, but it works. Like, the way they set it up, this is actually working. The use of Yellow Jacket, and that's actually clever using the paradigm that Marvel's kind of set out with their own functionality and their own nomenclature. They're like, okay, well, there's these people that exist, there's these mercenary villains, and so on and so forth, that we can still pull from that aren't direct X-Men foils. And they have to, because, let's be real, all the X-Men villains... Most of them are mutants, and most of them are good now, or at least working with the cause of mutantdom, and are on Krakoa. So they have to start using people like this, like Yellow yeah. Jacket, forward. And I like the fact that the the Hellfire kids are the ones that are bringing them in. They're tapping them as their go to uh, info, their go to espionage guy. Yes. Um, so this is kind of who uh, Yellow Jacket's kind of communicating. Two while he's inside, um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much all they're saying is just how how they're gonna get so much data. Literally, this whole page is just like we're gonna get so much data. Yeah, we're getting so much data. We're gonna get so much data. You're gonna get so much data. I'm gonna get so much data. See, they they had a joke about how like because also <laughs> they're, they're they're paying they're paying Yellow Jacket to do this whole thing, keep this thing running, and they're paying him you know by the moment. And, they're like, this is the most expensive live stream on the planet right here. <laughs> it's the live stream of Krakoa from the point of view of Pyro, which is right. bizarre. But I enjoy it. I, I, this was one of the few interactions with them where I actually liked what they were doing and the jokes they were making because it fit. It didn't feel too ham-fisted as opposed to the last time that we interacted with them and you're just like, man, these, these guys are aware and they're welcome real fast. <laughs> yeah. They're becoming, they're becoming way too of a, a burden to the story and not a benefit. But I'm glad to see yeah. that they took a step in a different, in a different direction with them in this issue and it worked sure. pretty well. Yeah, I dig it. Um, and uh, we get some action, right? She see, uh, what's the, uh, what's her name? The, the girl's name? I forget. Uh, I know one kid. One of the kids has like Frankenstein in his name. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, kid, kid, and then there was like Kid Kilogram. Kilogram. Kilgore. Kilgore. Kid Kilgore. Yeah, uh, that's the main kid. Uh, but this, uh, the the girl, the female, was like pretty much come look. Uh, something's happening. Uh, they're starting to get vision from Pyro, and then we kind of see this image, which I find very comical. And kind of out of place, uh, this this image of um, Bishop right here. It just he just looks like a video game NPC in the background. It's just his arm kind of up as he's sh- shooting this uh, this the line, the anchor, pretty much tied down. Yeah, it, it, it feels kind of funny, like just the pose he's making and how he's standing there. It's like we were doing a transition scene in like a, a game where it's just like you're gonna run like the cutscene now. Like, exactly. you escaped. You made it. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and then he does that like weird run where it doesn't look like he has traction. Exactly. <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, but yeah, while this is happening, we get uh, 
uh, we get Shah, Shinobi Shah, and Storm kind of getting the upstart up and running, or trying to get the upstart up and running. Uh, and uh, they well, can't. You see, Shinobi's trying to get the upstart up and running, and yeah. Storm is trying Storm's... to get Shinobi the upstart up and running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some layered upstart up and uh, running going on there. Oh, upstart on that upstart. Uh, um, He's bleeding hard through his arm, and she's trying yeah, to catch it's... him up because so far all we've seen Shinobi Shaw do since he's been resurrected is fail upright. <laughs> yep. Did everybody uh... see these? And he's like, "Watch, I will show you how to fail, and I'll do it with style." And I'm gonna bleed <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> uh, watch me, Daddy. <laughs> do you help me now, Father? <laughs> you, uh, you made me but... so proud, son. You bleed like no other. <laughs> But uh, as this is happening, we go back to Kitty and the Executioner. And this is when Kitty kind of remembers her. And she's just like, you're the anti-mutant bigot. And he's just like, man, why you got to make it so black and white? There's some nuance. (laughs) There's some nuance in my killing and my racism. And uh, I I I have layers to my genocide, okay? You can't just... You yeah. can't just cut it with one swath. You need to you need to kind of you know, go through. It's all sedimented. Like dig deep into it. Deep dive into who I am, Kitty. Get to know me first before you judge me. And now I'm going <laughs> to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you and your entire species. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But more or less, he's just a like Kitty. He's retorting to Kitty, and he's just a like like you. Oh, Kitty's just all like you. You've killed so many of us, and she's just all like, like you guys haven't killed us humans either. And this is where he's just all like, I'm gonna subterfuge real quick, and then I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> but but she's just all like, no, not happening. Takes a sword to his to his throat. She kind of makes a, uh, a comment on like, I was afraid of men like you even before I knew I was a mutant. You know. And uh, she's more or less like, I'm not afraid anymore. How much oppression did Kitty face before right? she knew she was a mutant? I don't really understand. I don't know. Lines. I thought she was a pretty, uh, like, middle class, like, you know, lived in okay, you know, safe. Or, or, safe or, or John, or say John Allardyce, fucking uh, Pyro. Like, he had a bunch of lines like that, too, where I was just like, you from Australia? Like, what? Like, you're talking about like the problems that the aborigines face. Like, what are you saying, buddy? I don't understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> your your history with oppression is weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's how they talk more about it, but then you see people like Bishop and Storm, and they like don't even care. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> like, this is our lives. <laughs> yeah. Even before we were mutants, <laughs> Storm's <laughs> like, I remember apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's a that's a uh, conversation stopper right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, he gets some good subterfuge on his face right there. But then she's just like, I don't give a shit about any of this, and I'm out of here. <laughs> she jumps off. She jumps right off the fucking boat because she talks a lot of shit. And then she's like, Don't take this wrong. I really want to throw her down, but I gotta go. And she just <laughs> leaps off the boat yep. into another one. Yep. Oh man, I love that panel where it's just like <laughs> she's going from the upstart to the marauder, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but she's just like pop and gone. <laughs> no, actually, uh, she's going. She goes to the, to the bottom floor. The marauder. I thought that's. Oh, uh, it's not the marauder. It's their ship. That's the ship they rolled up on. With, yeah, that's uh, with, that's the with enemy the ship. Guess. Yeah. Yeah, because it has. They're on. They're on the. Uh, she d- she jumps down to the second floor, and this is when uh, executioner is just all like, "I better call Pierce." And we see Kitty kind of uh, go up to these uh, what looks like these sentinels almost. Yeah, it's that power uh, armor that the power Russians armor. Are- yeah, the Russian the same power the armor abilities. Yeah. Um. And she's just kind of climbing through, like, phasing through as she climbs up to the deck. And when she gets to the deck, she is met with 
Chin Zhao once again and Donald Pierce. Ooh, Donald yeah. fucking Pierce making his appearance first in Uncanny X-Men issue number 132, 1980. A Claremont creation, of course. Oh, Donald Pierce. It's sweet, uh, sweet. Um, Hellfire Club OG. We get him and we get Gene and we get Sebastian and we get uh emma and we can we can have a, a dark x or a dark phoenix done right uh, yep. saga <laughs> maybe that's all they're gonna call it is just dark phoenix done right that's it <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's great um, but he fits in with this crowd because he's like a super yeah. anti he was like the one human that was on the hellfire club that was like super anti-mutant and he fits more in with that group of kids than he would with the actual the other Hellfire clubs proper because that they're more in line with their ideals and their methodologies. And he's cyborg, which is awesome. So fun to be had. Cyborg. (laughs) You can't go wrong. Um but this is when kind of kitties just saw you attacked us more or less. Um and she's just like, this is my ship now. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you've got, you've got anti-mutant weaponry. You attacked us. You've crossed the line. I'm commandeering this ship in the name of Krakoa. Yeah, and he's just all you and what army? And we kind of see some, uh, some, some choppers coming in from the back. Yeah, yeah. And they're just kind of going on about how they're an ambassador of Madripoor to the United Nations, and this is an act of aggression uh, towards a sovereign nation. Uh, and Kim's just like, bitch, you were just a citizen of China last week. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I'll mean, play that shit. I know where your allegiance lie. Right? Whatever. <laughs> play that diplomatic immunity shit on me. What do you yeah. think this is? Die hard? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, have at you and unguard. Yeah. Lunges at Donald Pierce like she a true pirate. Could... Yep. She goes on the offensive. Uh, throws him over his shoulder after he kind of like tries to come in for a punch. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, and this is when <laughs> Zhao's just like, I got diplomatic immunity. And like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> she just punches him right in the nose. Right in the nose. Oh, yeah. Quack. You can even see her face like kind of crinkling. I wonder if that's payback for. Uh, Lady Death Strikes punched to the nose a few weeks back. She's vicariously getting attacked. Like my motherfucking nose broke again. It was almost healed. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This does kind of seem like that. You're right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Actually, adds to the scene a lot better. Right? Yeah. It oh, kind of <laughs> and I like how Storm just kind of seems like she's nonchalantly just chilling there, watching them. Like that scene where she's just standing there. Like overseeing them fight, and she's just like, "Hey, Katie, what's going on?" <laughs> yeah, oh, man. she's just like very like cat, like kind of over the shoulder in the corner. Right now. Like she's having a conversation with her while she's in the middle of a sword fight with Donald Pierce after like cold cocking that other lady in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, but as this happened, they're kind of uh, talking a little bit, and they're getting distracted. And this is when Pyros is like, "Yo, watch out for that! Uh, watch out! What does he say? Watch out for that clan guy!" The clan guy. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we get executioner with this interesting line. What do you think of this line? Death to Gene Junk for Verendi. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that was the uh, hate monger, though. I think said that. Oh, yeah. that's hate monger. Sorry, not uh, a. Get that H. Yeah. yeah. You know? Because he's got to be one-dimensional. But yeah, I did Gene Junk. So and then he tries to blow up Bishop, the one person that wouldn't even work on <laughs> person, And he's just like, I got this. He kind of absorbs the powers of the explosion and sends it back towards both Executioner and Haymonger. Um, but still, I want to hang on that line, Gene Junk. Like, I wouldn't go for that like an insult for mutants you fucking gene junk like no i don't know it feels like it's right out of the 90s x-men animated series i think they Kinda. did say gene junk in that. i believe they... that term was used a few oh, times okay then the that's friends of humanity i think would say that all the time that makes sense. Like gene that's junk, so. sense then 
It beats with the uh, what, what the what are the old witch blood? No, I don't know. Witch, witch blood is classic. Kind of, that's like, that's like old school. Blood. Yeah, yeah, that's like Victorian era X Men rhetoric or epithets. Uh, Victorian era X Men epithets. <laughs> well, I'd like to teach a class on that. That's, a, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be our spinoff podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> we got about two episodes and that's it <laughs> we didn't think there was uh, that much but we yeah. got two <laughs> who would have thought who would have yeah. thought yeah damn but yeah that was that was kind of funny to see him like say that and then choose bishop as like the target because right. Bishop is the one person who can absorb kinetic and and energy in a exactly. sense of just explosive fire all that stuff i mean Pyro probably could have survived it even, but that would have still been kind of difficult. Storm would have to be reactive enough to survive it, but she probably could. But still, like Bishop was like, that was a no-brainer. I, I mean, this guy didn't do his homework. Yeah. <laughs> what a noob. <laughs> this is your first time reading. Excellent, you jackass. <laughs> Get with the program. Um... But we get uh, Storm kind of like looking at Pierce like, hey, yo, those arms you got, they uh, they float? Can they can they float in water? Can they swim? And uh, this is when Storm's just all like, whew. she just kind of gives him a little blow, you know, just like a little whoosh, a little whoosh, you know, nothing too big, <laughs> nothing too big, you know, not a big storm, just a little whoosh, holds him in the air. This is like release me. <laughs> I, I thought she was gonna say like her 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 Joss Whedon line of like hey, you wonder what happens to or what do you think happens to the cyborgs when they get struck by lightning? Thing right. <laughs> is everything else. And that blew it up. I wish she they should have done that. Should done. That. Uh, I don't know why Jerry didn't do it. We get one day. One day. One day it'll happen. Um, but yeah, he's like, release me. And Storm's just all like, will do. And she's just like, what cacao? What is that? Like a, I give it like a, the uh, jump sidekick lightning storm attack. It looks like something Luke Kang would do out of yeah. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh. It's nice. Uh, we get like a nice cocoon, you know, <laughs> which is cool. And he flies. Flies overboard, and uh, you don't we see him land. Like he just goes flying. No, yeah, he's just gone. Like he's probably like yards away from everyone else. We got executioner. We got Haymonger already in the water, and Kitty's just like adios, Yao. Throws her overboard. Like, gone. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, just like a nice little chuck. You see, like a heave ho. Like you could. I get this like vision in my head that she did that kind of like preparation where they like kind of swing forward once and then swing back and then on the second one they let go. Yeah. <laughs> All overboard with me. Two, three. I need to give Kitty more more uh, pirate slang. I feel like she's not dropping enough pirates. True. True. <laughs> Uh, more swashbuckling language, please. I mean, they got the they got her body uh, her her body language down. She's got the pirate body language down. I mean, look in the next panel as you go to the next page. She's just standing there holding her sword, like having yeah. a conversation with everyone. Just holding her sword, holding her sword, like not even giving a shit. Like she's just like, yeah, <laughs> I got a sword, eh? And carve me up. <laughs> Tell me what I want to know. <laughs> They gotta have the lingo that goes with that. If they do right. that, this would be perfect. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, this is where we kind of we cut to like moments later. I don't know. Uh, a little time has passed, and uh, we get a uh, Iceman's good. He's good to go. Uh, he sent all the kids from Madripoor through the through the portal. Uh, Bishop and Pyro, Pyro are doing a security sweep of the Marauder, and uh, this is when uh, Kitty kind of mentions about the other boat and the cargo below with the Russian, uh, the Russian armor. And uh, they don't want to send it to mad. They don't want to send it. They think it's too dangerous. Or I should say storm thinks it's too dangerous to send to Kokoa. Uh, yeah. And- Cause they feel like it could be a trick. Like last time with the uh, stuff that went down in X-Force and the infiltrating, they're worried about things like that. So they're kind of on the alert. So bringing something like that as a red flag. Like that might be just what they want is to take the armor and take it back to Krakoa, but they're like, let's find a place where we can keep it safe, but <laughs> secret as well. 
Yeah, so she decides or suggests to sell for M, and Beast and Sage and Forge can come and check out the tech and kind of do their thing, reverse engineering it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Or and pretty much destroy it if they can. Or destroy it, it if they can. Yeah. yeah, get rid of it for the most part. Um, and uh, so what is... Uh, Storm is just like... Uh, he's probably already acquainted with the design, and uh, Iceman's kind of referring to the uh, power dampening effects to it, right? Yeah, that he, he designed back in the day because Forge had a much different... Um, relationship with the mutants before he actually joined up and became an X-Men in a proper sense. Yes. And this is uh, where Storm is just all like, yeah, it was a different world, but uh, more or less, if we need to, we're going to break break them. We're going to kill them. We're destroy them all, if needed. Yeah. We can't fix them. We'll destroy them. Exactly. Uh, and uh, this is when kind of like... Bobby's like, oh, I'll stick around. I'll hang out with the, you while things are happening. And uh, Kate's like, nah, I'm good. I don't need a babysitter. More or less, everyone's done with their responsibilities. Get out of here. Get Go. Get, get, get out. Go. Go on. Go on. Have a good time. I'm fine. More or less. <laughs> Scamper on. Scamper on and out of here, you little wimpers. Yeah. Bobby, don't you have to be somewhere to be one-dimensional? Don't you have to go be one-dimensional somewhere? And he's like, you know, now that you mention it, I have to be a guest judge in a drag race this week, so toodles. (laughs) And he skips off. Uh, Poor Bobby. Poor Bobby. (laughs) Either they write his character one-dimensional or he's utterly useless. Like In most of the Marauders issues, he's getting his fucking ass handed to him, and it's like, Ten years ago, that would have never happened. Yeah. He would have been on par with Storm, where he's like, you know, we're both Omega level mutants. He's an Omega Remember? level. Mutant. Yeah. And now he just seems like an Omega level burden. Ooh. Ooh, Omega level <laughs> burden. Put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, Bobby. I gotta remember that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, oh, so man. weird. Yeah, yeah. So she sends him off, and then Storm's like, all right, well, I'm going to go look into this stuff. And Kitty's like, all right, I guess I'm going to go drink or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's pretty much just selling for him alone. Yeah. More or less. Uh, but we then cut to um, the Verindy sublog uh, from the words of Yellowjacket. Now, this is hilarious, I yeah. think. Um, I don't want to read the whole thing, but more or less it talks about him kind of like traveling up to the optic nerves. He can only see it in black and white. He could hear really well, regardless of not putting in his sound buoys. Um, and then, uh, more or less, he's just like no sign of Iceman prior to storm. Uh, Pyro's joined Bishop on a security sweep. Um, and then this is where it gets kind of funny. Pyro's found an all-white wardrobe. It goes on forever. There are white business suits and, uh, well, more casual clothes. I guess Frost has a cabin on the ship. So he saw yeah. some stuff. Yeah. He's <laughs> going through fucking Emma Frost's, like, unmentionables. Yeah, just, like, going through shit. It's like, this is white, this is white, this is white, too. Oh, this is off-white. This is cream white. Wow. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many blends of white, and then he calls in Bishop just to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> and it says that Bishop can't believe it either. Pyro's holding up some lingerie. You know what? He could rock that. And I'm like, wait, is he saying Bishop could rock that, or is he saying Pyro could rock that? <laughs> because either one of those would look funny. I think Bishop would look even more funnier because of his like chiseled jaw and his like big shoulders. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, it's like a fancy call girl. <laughs> and then um, uh, we get we get the mention. Uh, Yellow Jacket says this is some real Melda Marcos blank. Uh, the last name is redacted. Um, what do you think that is? Maybe maybe he's saying like as like a, a way to measure it. He's saying this is some real Melda Marcos shit. Shit, it's just shit. <laughs> just uh, bleeding out obscenities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be 
because they're their kids. He works for children. He can't, sure. he can't curse around them. <laughs> I mean, sure, they're kids that murder, but I mean, this is America. We're okay with murder. We're not okay with swear words. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> this is what it gets good. He's just like, all right, okay. Cool. They're done with the fucking clothes. They're done with the wardrobe. Maybe we could get into some cool shit. And then he's just like, it's a hair and nail salon. What kind of ha- what kind of warship is this? <laughs> what the fuck is going on on this ship right now? <laughs> and then yeah. essentially time passed. Pyro makes himself a couple Long Island iced teas. A couple. Um, a couple. He's getting trash. He goes to the oh, yacht movie theater and he watches Rick and Morty. And then he says, "This is great. This is where yellow. This is where yellow jackets just all like, you know, you know. I, I, I wanted to. I thought these guys wanted to exterminate humanity, but I don't know. Seems kind of cool. Seems pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like, it's cool. Um, I mean, I'm getting paid to like do this. I'm gonna kill some of these people, but hey, I would. This is chill. I, I dig them. <laughs> so right. Oh, wow. like, it's pretty funny." I love that too. I like that line of like, yeah, they seem pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the Yellow yeah. Jackets uh, dialogue so far in his character portrayal. It's good. Um, and He's then- usually much more of like a crass dick. I, I yeah. feel like they've given him a lot of optimism in his portrayal here. Like he seems so wide-eyed so, and like so excited. Yeah. He's like, "We're going to Krakoa." <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's going to take it or leave it, kind of yeah. or less. He's- yeah. Yeah, he's, he's having fun with the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, he just goes along with the ride. Um, but yeah, they start heading towards Coco, and that's when he's like, I guess that's when we'll get to the good shit. The good stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get uh, Kitty all alone on the ship, and we get in black text, monologuing to himself. Um, we kind of see a uh, a man come out of the, one of these uh, Russian suits, right? And yeah, the head, head pops open, the helmet pops open, reveals someone is removing the suit. Removing the suit. But they're covered in subterfuge. I He's, can't tell. Oh, so much subterfuge. And he comes on deck, and oh, look, Lockheed notices, uh, and it's none other than. Sebastian Shaw. Of course it's Sebastian Shaw. Who did you think it was? Let's be real. It was always Shaw. <laughs> Shaw the whole time, you fool. And he nets the fuck out of Lockheed. Yeah, he nets the fuck out of Lockheed with the quickness. He arose down to the floor. <laughs> Who knew that was Lockheed's one weakness? Nets. Right? Nets. I feel like it's that scene in, uh, remember, uh, Kung Pao, where the tiny net gets it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Poor Lockheed. Uh, uh, yeah, Kitty's drawing her sword, but I'm surprised she didn't already have it out. <laughs> yeah, right? She had it out during a regular conversation earlier. Why yeah. don't you have it now? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, pretty much... Shaw approaches Kitty. She draws sprinkles her sword. Some, before he does, she does that, though. He sprinkles some seeds on her. <laughs> right? He sprinkles a little salt on her wound. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> yeah. What is happening? He's like, fuck I your seeds. I got this sword. Stop seasoning. Now it's not the time to season. And then all of a sudden, those seeds turn into Krakoan vines. And into Krakoan Yeah, just like snatch up Kitty's legs. Um, yeah, it gets super, super Sam Raimi a la... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Uh, what is it called? Uh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, so you're talking... Uh, Evil, Evil, Evil Dead, Dead yeah. yeah. I wanted to say Army of Darkness, but I was like, no, uh, just yeah, the, first, the first two was the one with the tree that rapes. Yeah, the tree tree raver. Um, so yeah, this this is a vine kind of uh, kind of takes consumes her more or less. Yeah, it goes through and, and, and it's brilliant because Shaw's reasoning is that if the Krakoan gates don't work on her and she and she has some sort of uh, issue where she can't overcome the Krakoan uh, vegetation, then it should it should in theory hold her in place and she shouldn't be able to phase through it. Because if she can't go through the gates, then how could her powers work to allow her to go through the actual going growth? Right. So he's trapped her using that kind of logic. 
which is yeah. a bit of a stretch, but it works. I can I can see how that works. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I see. I see where they're going. Um, but yeah, so she can't phase through it. She's pretty much stuck. Um, and more or less, this is when uh, kicks her sword away. Says, oh yeah, your fucking sword. Like a yeah, badass, he says, "Fuck your sword." <laughs> She's trying to pry back the bramble, and it's like he's like, "Fuck that! <laughs> My plan's gonna work." I'm tired. I've taken your guys' bullshit, and you've laughed at me long enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck your pet dragon, and he throws Fuck fucking Lockheed into the water. Uh, right into the water. Uh, more or less, she's just all like, "Oh, you're doing this all just for a second board seat," and she's like, "And he's all like, yeah, of course, I need that second board seat so I can get that third board seat. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working my way up." Uh, foolish, foolish Shaw, though he doesn't realize that Lockheed has those four stomachs, so he'll yeah. he'll be he'll be fine. He's not gonna drown. He's gonna be fine, but yeah, he drops drops him in. Um, and he's just all like, this is when Kate, uh, Kate is just like, all right, she gives in a little bit. She's like, I'll give you, I'll give you my seat. Just go save Lockheed, pretty much. And he's just like, nah, nah, too late. I gotta go do some business. I'm a businessman. Look at this suit. You don't not do business without this suit like this. Come on. Look at that layering. It's tapered, man. It's Come double on. Rested. I got a double breast yeah. over here, up in here, man. <laughs> it's classic it's classic especially this time of year come on yeah i like his retort though is essentially he's like i'm just gonna blow up the ship you're on right now enjoy yeah, drowning uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh goodbye and she gets uh, thrown overboard while still being consumed by these branches so she's pretty much fucked she can't move she's pretty much locked into position and she's just like whatever whatever however many times i die i will come back and i will raise hell and he's just all like whoa hmm. he be like uh he fixes his nerd glasses like mm, well um technically you may not be able to uh abide by the protocols the resurrection protocols <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah kitty's just like oh <laughs> so like if you can't go through the portals it's and apparently these vines are working on you and you can't he starts talking cocoa and talking shit like start yeah. saying some racist shit to her and he's like you don't even understand what i just said there did you <laughs> he's just saying oh wait but then uh emma downloaded the Krakoan language to her brain so she would know but it still would have been funny if he said yeah. it in Krakoan. oh yeah that would have just been more insult to injury you know yeah. Uh, good times. And then we get this dope transition where we get brought up to speed on, like, this has all actually been Shaw's plan. Like, this actually hasn't been the workings of the of the the Hellfire kids, but actually Shaw the whole time. He hired, hired fucking mm-hmm. Donald Pierce. He he actually got uh, Christian Shaw, Christian to, Shaw to come over to his side. Yeah. And he orchestrated the distribution and the shipment of the um, anti-mutant power armors. And he's been playing. He's been playing the Hellfire Council the whole time. Fucking Shaw, man. Shaw, he's been working it. Who would have thought? Everyone. Everyone yeah. yeah. I was just say. I was just say. Essentially, Shaw is doing a precursor for what Mystique is doing to the actual Quiet Council. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if you wanted to test one, what Mystique's gonna do? Like, just let Shaw do it because he'll do it in, in in pretty much a similar fashion, just on a less successful ratio. Yeah. And then he's just all like, and then my son, I knew he was going to fuck up perfectly, and he executed that with gusto. Yeah. <laughs> I factored in for that. I planned on it. <laughs> it was me the whole time. I am Kaiser Sose. <laughs> Oh, but man. this is this is where it was just like you don't think it was weird that you have like all these omega level mutants around you like people are trying to protect you they don't think you're going to be able to come back bitch I don't think this is it all while she's kind of drowning like almost about to drown yeah yeah pretty much just like it's it's a done deal and he's like look I circumvented that easy yes and uh, yeah this is when Kitty kind of again goes just all like. You will beg for my blade. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted to cue like the sonic drowning effect right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <the countdown. laughs> and then you got that bubble. 
<laughs> that was a good pirate rant before she went under, though. Yeah, but, it was yeah. pretty good. But she didn't get the fucking sunset like Shaw did, just basking in his yacht. And he uh, said, but not today. Not today. Not today. Not today. Him in all of his happiness, just basking in the sun and the glory. Oh, things actually, it was a Marauders issue, and things actually worked out for Shaw. That's, yeah. That's unheard wow. of. Wow. Look at that. First for Marauders. Normally, uh, each uh, issue is like them just shitting on Shaw, and like he doesn't. He's just, oh, I'll get my, my way eventually. And then he actually got his way. He got his way. There you he go. And he fucking stepped to it. I'm, and he did quick with a quickness. Like, he was, he set up, because I mean, we've been reading about this, like, this whole, like, plot unraveling for about a couple of issues now. So he, he went from being, like, fucked over to instantly reacting to it in, like, only an issue. <laughs> like, I'm impressed. Yeah. 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 He's not doing no slow burn. He's not like Mystique where we're going to nah. forget about it. And like five <laughs> years from now, Mystique's like, I've been Charles before. She was a, no, she's Moira. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Mystique my God. Was Moira. No. Oh, oh, that would be the worst. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, yeah, let's not put that out there. I never said it. Never happened. Never happened. It goes away. <laughs> talked about it. You never heard about it. Oh, what a bizarre issue, though. Nonetheless, yeah. I mean, I've got mixed, I got mixed feelings on this issue. It's what, interesting. What, what you, right? I'm not like it was definitely like compelling. I don't want to say it's like great or good, but I was super intrigued, and I want to know more, which is good as well. So I guess it is leaning more towards the better side, unlike the last uh, issue or two we've had, which were kind of uh, more of a lull, right? Yeah, yeah. It- it just felt like that there were some parts, like there are things that are it's problematic in Marauders that are retreading. Like I feel like uh, first off, the the old freaking "Don't call me Kitty, I'm Kate." They brought that up again. It almost feels like they have to now every issue. Like, like it's the five, five pages total. Yeah, on that. Yeah, like it's it's you could put at the end of Marauders, you could put like a compilation issue of every page that they mentioned it and have a full issue probably. <laughs> It's sad that that's happening, and it's like, I just want that to go away. I feel like we're this deep into the Dawn of X launch that, like, that stuff is just kind of painful now. Like, it's just lazy writing, and I, I just, I I want them to be over that, and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And and uh, and the other kind of issue that I have with it is just their portrayal of Bobby and how they write him. Like, it feels like he's just getting worse and more jokier every issue and more one-dimensional. Eventually, he'll stop speaking in actual sentences and just be quips and phrases. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just concerned with that. Those are, yeah, those are the kind of the the bigger points. But uh, aside from that, I guess one other issue I could take away from it is that it feels like that there there may be a little bit too much of a a jump in the flow of how the story is progressing. Like it felt like they were going towards something, and then we kind of changed over to this whole issue with what's going on with Shaw and I feel like that that should have been maybe a little later on like I feel like we're jumping into his revenge a little too quick I feel like this should have been a, they should have stretched it out maybe a few more issues or at the culmination of what they're dealing with right now if that would have played out as like him being one of the main villains mm-hmm. that would have been a nicer ending but I feel like yeah. we're like halfway here with this this marauder story point and yeah. now they're going to tangent on dealing with what Shaw did exactly and that's going to detract away because now I'm going to care even less about the the Hellfire kids because yeah. now I'm going to be like, well, what's Shaw doing? Yeah, I want why, that. Yeah, I want yeah. that to be I mean, know that. conflict. Yeah, and that's that's the problem I'm having with Marauders in its entirety is that now they're shifting away from the story they tried to build up and make me care about, and they actually did because like when they introduced Yellow Jacket, I liked that twist. I liked that use. He felt right with that group of people because they're all like mogul children, you know, that are trust fund kids. And, you know, he was a trust fund kid as well, as well and inherited his company or took his company through shady dealings and things like that. So it's like they're good. They're good bedmates to have as like a as a antagonist type villain group. Yeah, and I hope they use more people like him and more people in Yellow Jackets kind of background because that would just fit with the nar- the flair of how, how they work and how they they operate. So I'm enjoying that, but I feel like that is now lost all its wind. The wind has been taken out of its sails because now I just like, all right, well, this shit. Yellow Jacket's now just like observing like we are, anyways. So now let's watch him observe, you know, Shinobi Shaw or uh, Sebastian Shaw fuck shit up, you know. So that's I'm intrigued to see where how they're gonna turn that around, like how they're gonna make me 
actually start to care about them again because they started it, but then took it away instantly. So I don't know if, the, if they'd retread it a second time. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like let's be over with it. You know, let's yeah, get these that... stupid kids out of here. Have them fight someone awesome and like epic. You know, let's. I don't care about trust fund kids. That's too real of a fear. <laughs> like it's not comic book enough. You're just treading real life shit into my face. Fuck <laughs> yeah. If I want to read a comic about that Martin Scarelli guy, I will, but I don't. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was your favorite moment? Any standout moments for you? Uh, uh, when she fucking gave that mean right hook. <laughs> got her got her nose revenge. <laughs> nose. <laughs> yeah. Just bam. <laughs> Uh, and, and it was pretty meta seeing Yellow Jacket mention Rick and Morty in an, in an issue where they essentially ripped right. up Rick and Morty. Uh, it was like a, the, the Avengers movie where they essentially were talking about freaking uh, Back to the Future wall essentially ripping off Back to the Future. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have to say the return of Donald Pierce was pretty cool. Too. Donald Pierce, yeah. Wow, I didn't see that coming at all. But still, uh, most of the stuff with Yellow Jacket was like the highlight of this Marauders issue. Say, which that's, is that's my highlight. Music, right? My Isn't highlight is actually the the log, which is funny. It's not the comic. Yes. It's the, the 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 notes, the uh, the side notes, which is hilarious. I the, love this. The, this made me was, laugh. That was the funniest. It was the most intriguing, and it had the most um, uh, the most fulfillment out of the whole issue. Yeah. Like I mean, the little log right there really carried it. It really, yeah, and it shows really kind of like Darren Cross's kind of like apathy towards the whole thing almost. Which yeah, is cool. yeah. I dig, it. I dig his kind of demeanor. Right He's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll see. I don't know what's happening. This seems kind of cool. Let's show. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, all the stuff with Sebastian was cool too, and how they portrayed him. So cool. it's like, there were a lot of highlights of this issue, but just overall, it suffers from some things that weigh it down so much that it can't really rise to the level of X Force or. Even the the new mutants. I mean, what are you gonna do with Marauders to kind of flush it out, mix it? I kind of feel like Marauders is kind of just one of those things that has to have its own run and then finish up and just kind of call it a day. It can't go on to. We can't be in like 2021 reading about Marauders still. I feel like it doesn't have that kind of legs. We'll see. I, I, have, hmm, I have a feeling this is gonna go on for a while. That's that's a fear I have as well. Yeah, um, but we shall see. Um, Shaw doing like an awesome roundhouse kick while in that double-breasted jacket. Pretty badass. Good, awesome moment. Yeah, that was pretty solid. Yeah, he's got some. He's got some moves on him for being in that type of clothing. Right? <laughs> he's got some range. <laughs> it always uh, reminds me of the bad guy and the uh legends of the drunken master the second one yeah is that legends oh, of the drunken master the yes, uh, japanese yes. evil japanese businessman that he fights at the end where he's in a suit but he's like kicking ass doing like high kicks like yeah, pretty he's much all about, he's all the the yeah and i'm just he's like how do you do that while rocking some like awesome like suspenders and a and yeah, some loafers. He had like a vest on and shit. Yeah, he took yeah. off his glasses and like folded them and made them all nice. And then he's like, I'm going to kick you a bunch of times in the face. Yeah. And then Jackie Chan got kicked in the face like 20 times. You're yeah, like, damn. <laughs> his feet were so fast, you could hear them like snapping in the air. They're like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> that good I love that movie. That's like, I love that movie favorite. so much. It really is. But that one's just so much more polished. Like that that scene yeah. where they fight inside the the rest that restaurant with all the guys with the axes. Oh yeah. He's going on, he's he's like going he's throwing down with like fucking like 50 dudes. <laughs> just having that other guy. <laughs> and that other guy survived it to get like shot. <laughs> like, were, he shot like 50 dudes with axes. It was fine. Then he like ducks down an alleyway and gets shot by like a random British Imperial vet, dude. Dude, some guy like right out of the fucking like African frontier. <laughs> Crikey, we got me one of them Chinese men. Bam! It's just like, what uh, the fuck is going on? <laughs> this movie is so bizarre. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that is great. Any final thoughts on this issue? Uh, 
Um, everyone go out and watch Legend of the Drunk Assassin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing you get from reading this issue is, or listening to this episode, it's go watch Legend of the Drunken Master. Superior movie. Uh, <laughs> but that will do it for us this week, folks. Uh, Marauder 6 in the bag. Next week, we go back to Excalibur issue number six. Back to the realm of Camelot, maybe. Possibly. Maybe London, maybe Camelot, maybe some caverns. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows, folks? But that will do it for us this week. Stay safe out there. Watch out for the techno-organic virus. And remember, 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 the robots will kill you. So go eat a bagel. Oh, bagels. Yeah. Schmear. Schmear. Get some schmear on that bitch.